America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Monica Bowie, who was 34 years old when she was abducted from the parking lot of her apartment building in Atlanta, Georgia, on July 5th, 2007. Monica was a business owner who had recently got engaged. The night Monica was abducted, a friend dropped her off after they spent the night hanging out. Shortly after she was dropped off, neighbors heard screams for help and witnessed a maroon car with two men speeding out of the parking lot. The next day, that car was found abandoned and burned, but there was no sign of Monica. Fifteen years later, Monica has never been found, and her family still wants to know who abducted Monica and why. This is Monica's story. In most missing person cases, when the person is reported missing, the information about their last moments are often a mystery. We usually can pinpoint their last location or the last time that they were seen, but exactly how they disappeared is often unclear or unknown. Monica's case is different. We know that Monica was abducted. And 15 years later, Monica has never been seen or heard from. An adult being abducted is not something that you hear about often. A car pulling up and forcing someone in and then speeding off sounds like something straight out of a movie. But for Monica and her family, it wasn't a movie. It was a real-life nightmare. Monica was originally from Pittsburgh. She had grown up there, raised by her mom, Linda, and her stepdad, James, alongside her three siblings, two sisters and a brother. The family lived in the Spring Hill neighborhood on the north side of the city. In 2012, on the TV show Find Our Missing, Linda said that Monica was an independent child. From an early age, she knew just to let Monica do her thing. At as young as two, her mom said that she knew that Monica was going to be all right. In school, Monica was an excellent student. Her mom said that she never struggled with her grades and said that Monica was a perfectionist. She attended Perry Traditional Academy in Pittsburgh, where she was a member of the drill team. After graduating high school, Monica attended Cheney University, where she majored in accounting. In college... Monica continued to excel academically, and when she graduated in 1996, she was named class valedictorian. Monica was full of ambition, and after graduating from Cheney, Monica decided that she wanted to move to Atlanta. And so she did just that. Once there, she moved in with her best friend Danielle and got a job working in the city. It was no surprise that Monica would do well once she moved to Atlanta. She was a college graduate living in a new city with her best friend. Monica was well on her way to building a really successful life. Monica had big dreams, and she really wanted to do big things. One of her dreams was to own her own business. And so not long after moving to Atlanta, Monica started her own company called GoToGirl. 
And the company seemed to have specialized in event planning and promoting hip-hop artists. As smart as Monica was, she had the tools to pretty much do whatever she wanted to do. Her friend Danielle said in her interview with Find Our Missing that Monica was a go-getter. She was always looking for the next thing that she could do. But running a business, however, costs money. A lot of money sometimes. And Monica knew that she needed to make money fast to help finance her new business. Monica made the decision that the best way for her to do that was to become an exotic dancer. Now, it was a temporary plan from the beginning. Monica only planned to dance long enough to make enough money to get her business off the ground. Being a dancer had never really been a part of any of her plans. But Monica was ambitious and clearly determined to achieve her goals. And she got a job dancing at a club in Atlanta called The Blue Flame. The Blue Flame apparently was a very popular club where you would often see celebrities from rappers to ball players. It also was popular amongst businessmen, too. For Monica, who was trying to launch her business, working at the Blue Fame gave her two opportunities, fast money and networking. And once Monica began working at the club, it was clear that she was not going to be there long because her focus was her business. The manager at the club told the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that Monica was a nice girl and she kept to herself. She could tell that she was very ambitious She said that she wasn't sure if Monica was dancing to invest the money in another business, but she would often come into the club periodically and pass out mixtapes from artists that she was promoting. Now, one night while Monica was working, she met a man named Mark. And Mark was a businessman who dealt with real estate for local music artists. After meeting Monica, Mark learned that Monica was also an accountant. On top of starting her business and dancing, Monica also did accounting for people. And so Mark decided to hire Monica to do his accounting. After a couple months of dancing, Monica quit and began focusing on her job with Mark. But Monica's relationship with Mark soon went from a professional one to a very personal one. And the two began dating. In 2005, Monica and Mark got engaged. But... After the engagement, the couple began to grow apart. Monica really wanted to focus on her own business, and so she began dedicating a lot of her time to GoToGirl. Eventually, the couple decided to break up. Although her relationship with Mark didn't work out, her dedication to her business was paying off. At some point, Monica even opened up a clothing store she called Lacoco Wear. In early 2006, Monica moved to the Buckhead area of Atlanta. She was finding success with her business. Her mom, Melinda, told the Atlanta Constitution Journal that Monica felt really confident in Atlanta. Monica, who her mom said always had an upbeat attitude, surrounded herself with positivity, and she, quote, didn't let negative things around her. After moving into her new place, Monica met a new man. According to the episode of Find Our Missing, while working an event for her business, Monica made a man named Shernada, who went by the nickname Rico. Now, Rico was 35 years old and was a car salesman, and he and Monica pretty much hit it off right away. The two began dating, and in 2007, they got engaged. Monica's mom, however, wasn't exactly thrilled about the engagement, 
She said that she felt like the engagement was a little too soon and that Rico was a little immature and was a little too into the street life for Monica, who her mom said knew nothing about that life. Apparently, Rico had served time for drug possession two years before he met Monica. But despite her mother's reservations about Rico, Monica planned to marry him, and they began planning their wedding. Unlike Rico, Monica had never been in trouble with the law. But all of that changed in June 2007. On June 20th, Rico asked Monica if he could borrow her car so that he could go to the barbershop. According to the reports, Rico was standing in a parking lot when police approached him. Police said that they smelled a quote-unquote strong odor of marijuana. Officers told Rico to show them which of the cars in the lot belonged to him. And when he pointed it out, they then searched the vehicle. And inside, they found weed, money, and a handgun. The police placed Rico under arrest and instructed him to call the owner of the vehicle so that they could come and pick it up. Now, once Monica got the call, she rushed over to the scene. And once she arrived, she explained who she was and told the officers that she had allowed her fiancé to borrow her car. Now, the officers asked her if she knew anything about what they had found in the car, but she told the officers that she did not and that the gun and the drugs did not belong to her. But the police arrested her anyway. Both her and Rico were arrested and booked into the Fulton County Jail. Monica, however, had no criminal history, and so she was released. Rico, however, because of his record, remained in jail. Eventually, the charges against Monica were dismissed, according to her attorney. But Monica was still afraid police may try to charge her with something else, especially since Rico was still in jail. She retained an attorney just in case. She wanted to make sure that she wasn't going to end up in jail. The entire situation must have been somewhat traumatic for Monica. I mean, being arrested and facing drug and gun charges is scary, especially for someone who has never been in trouble in her life. Monica, however, wanted to move past the incident. And despite Rico still being in jail, she still had plans to marry him and start their lives together once he was released. Eventually, the charges against Rico were also dropped, but Rico was not allowed to come home because he was a parolee and he was not supposed to have any interactions with law enforcement. And so even though the charges were dropped, Rigo would have to wait for the parole board to review his arrest before he could be released. Monica was undeterred, though. She believed that this was just a hiccup, and so she continued on planning their wedding. On July 4th, 2007, Linda said that she spoke to Monica twice that day. She said that they talked about Monica's wedding plans. By then, she had set a date. The wedding was going to be March 30th, 2008. The next day, Thursday, July 5th, Monica had planned to meet with her attorney. That afternoon, she left her apartment and headed across town for her appointment. Her attorney said that during their meeting, they discussed her case, and he said that Monica was her normal self. She was smiling and laughing. He said nothing seemed out of the ordinary about her behavior. He told the Atlanta Constitution-Journal that nothing seemed to be troubling her at all. 
Monica left her attorney's office around 4 p.m. that afternoon. And she returned back to her apartment, but she had plans that evening to hang out with some friends. Now, one of her friends picked her up from her apartment building, and they spent a few hours hanging out in the city. After they were done, her friend dropped her back off in the parking lot of her apartment complex around 11 p.m. Minutes after Monica's friend pulled off, screams could be heard coming from the same parking lot. Now, a man named Brian, who lived in the same apartment complex on the second floor, said that shortly after 11, that he heard a woman screaming. Brian said that he'd been working on his computer, but that the screams had been so loud that they had distracted him from his work. He said that he could clearly hear a woman screaming, someone help, I need help, help me. It's not reported that Brian saw anything, but he was not the only person that heard the screams coming from the parking lot. Within minutes of the screams being heard, calls began coming into 911. Multiple people in the complex reported that they had heard a woman screaming for help. And several of the witnesses said that they saw a burgundy mercury sable speeding out of the parking lot and that there were two men inside. And it was about 11.10 p.m. when they saw this. And none of the witnesses, however, saw the woman being put in the car. When police arrived on the scene shortly after the first 911 call came in, they arrived on the scene and it was evident that what the witnesses had reported was true. There had been an abduction in that parking lot. There were obvious signs of a struggle. And when police first arrived at the scene, the witnesses were unable to identify the woman who had been abducted. But it didn't take police long to figure out that the woman that was heard screaming was Monica. Monica's abduction was just the beginning of what ultimately become a 15-year mystery. Why would someone kidnap Monica from the parking lot of her own apartment building? And where did they take her? Do you want to hear something that I found kind of shocking? Since 2020, Two out of three people report feeling extreme stress, and it's affecting their sleep and affecting their overall health. These days, stress seems to hit us from every possible angle, in any environment, at any time, day after day. Unfortunately, all that stress can have a serious impact on your immune, digestive, respiratory, and cardiovascular system. And, of course, it can do a number on your cognitive and mental health. Wouldn't it be nice if you just had an off switch? An easy way to reboot and reset so that you could quickly find a calm, clear, and positive way to handle whatever life throws at you. Enter Just Calm, the breakthrough new stress and mood support formula from Just Thrive. Yes, the same Just Thrive that produces our favorite probiotic. Here's what makes Just Calm so radically different from anything that you may have tried before. It's the first retail available supplement to feature the proprietary psychobiotic strain known as BL1714. Psychobiotics are a new class of products that utilize beneficial bacteria to support your best mood, cognition, and emotional health. And BL1714 is the most heavily researched and scientifically verified strain available. In fact, 
Numerous studies have shown that BL1714 can be an absolute powerhouse in the fight for your mental well-being because it quickly promotes a healthy response to everyday stress, encourages a steady, serene, and balanced mood, drives mental clarity, focus, and alertness, and even supports great energy and optimal sleep. Imagine being able to turn down the noise and turn up the calm with one addition to your daily routine that takes you seconds to implement. And it's all natural. This is true stress management support that's built for the modern world. So bring on the insufferable rush hour traffic, the deadlines and mounting pressure at work, and the relentless miles-long to-do list. With Just Calm, you'll have the power to take on the day feeling cool, collected, and in control. Paired with Just Thrive Probiotic, this is one dynamic duo for proven gut immune mood support to help you live your best life. If you're ready to up your game and feel your best, you can get 15% off both Just Thrive Probiotic and Just Calm or any other of their scientifically proven products when you go to justthrivehealth.com and use code GIRLGONE at checkout. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On July 5th, 2007, 34-year-old Monica Bowie was abducted from the parking lot of the apartment where she lived in Atlanta, Georgia. After spending the evening with friends, Monica returned home, but minutes after she was dropped off, screams were heard coming from the parking lot, and witnesses saw a burgundy car speeding out of the parking lot. Witnesses called 911, and within minutes of police arriving at the scene, it was clear that someone had been abducted. In the parking lot, police found evidence of a struggle near a numbered parking space. Police at the scene found a woman's green jacket, a broken bottle of perfume, broken nails, and a pair of eyeglasses. Police also found a folder and a container of chicken wings. Papers inside the folder, as well as several other papers that were scattered near the space, contained Monica's name. Witnesses on the scene who spoke to the police that night said that the burgundy mercury that they saw speeding from the parking lot had been parked in that space earlier that day. A possible indication that whoever had abducted Monica had been lying in wait. In the hours after Monica was abducted, police had the identity of their victim and a pretty good description of the car that she had been taken in. But for some reason, the police did not reach out to Monica's family right away. Her mom, Linda, told WPXI 11 in Pittsburgh that she had begun getting calls from Monica's friends telling her that reports that Monica had been abducted were all over the news in Atlanta. Linda told Channel 11 that she didn't receive confirmation that her daughter had been abducted until Sunday, two days after it happened. Linda learning that her daughter had been kidnapped left her in a state of panic. She had no idea what was going on, and to make matters worse, 
She was hundreds of miles away in Pittsburgh. Linda told Channel 11 that at the time, she couldn't afford a plane ticket to Atlanta. And so she, accompanied by her sister, drove from Pittsburgh to Atlanta so they could find out exactly what happened to Monica. And by the time Linda arrived in Atlanta, police had found more clues, but they still hadn't found Monica. And time was working against them. The day after the abduction, the burgundy car that was seen leaving the apartment complex with Monica was found on the west side of Atlanta. The car had been abandoned and set on fire. Investigators on the scene said that the car sustained really heavy damage. And it was also discovered that the car had been reported stolen. But there was no sign of Monica, which wasn't surprising given the condition of the car. Once Monica's family had arrived in Atlanta, they had begun doing everything that they could to search for Monica. Since they were not from the area and were unfamiliar with Atlanta, Monica's ex-fiancé, Mark, ended up helping them. Monica's family began canvassing the neighborhood, and they passed out flyers with Monica's picture and information. News of Monica's abduction was spreading fast throughout Atlanta. Everyone who heard about what happened was shocked. The unusual circumstances of a grown woman being abducted from the parking lot of her own apartment was scary, to say the least. After the car was located, police were able to find the owner of the vehicle. And the owner told police that they had let a friend of theirs named Jasper Kills borrow the car. But he never returned the car. And they told police that the day after they reported the car stolen. Three days after Monica was abducted, police tracked Jasper down at a local motel and arrested him for the theft of the vehicle and for possession of marijuana. He was not, at the time, charged with anything related to Monica's abduction. The police suspected that Monica had known her kidnappers, and they couldn't find a connection between Monica and Jasper. Days after his arrest, police released a statement saying, quote, We are trying to see whether he has any connection to the kidnapping, but at this time, we have not been able to make that link. He's not a suspect. Are we trying to connect with him? Yes, but he's not a suspect. The arrest of Jasper seemed like it would get police closer to finding Monica, but they were wrong. Investigators were still trying to figure out why someone would kidnap Monica and where she was. Her fiancé, Rico, was still in jail at the time. Now, police had interviewed him, but he had denied having anything to do with Monica's abduction and said that he didn't know who was involved. And Monica's family did not believe that he was involved either. He had no obvious motive, and Monica was planning to testify for him so he really needed her. For Linda, Monica's mom, the days after her abduction were extremely hard. After her arrival in Atlanta, Linda had not spoken to the media, but she soon realized that in order to get answers and make sure Monica was not forgotten, she would have to speak to the media. A 12 days after her abduction, friends and family of Monica's held a vigil in Pittsburgh at Oliver High School. Her mom, Linda, had returned to Pittsburgh by then after spending over a week in Atlanta. 
And the hope was that the vigil would help to spread awareness about what happened to Monica. Outside of Atlanta and Pittsburgh, Monica's case was receiving very little attention. Despite the difficulties that Linda had had speaking publicly about what happened to her daughter, she knew that the media attention was critical in bringing attention and possibly answers. And so Linda said that she personally went to CNN, which is headquartered in Atlanta, and she said that she was turned away at the door. She said at the time that she was waiting for someone to call her back, but no one ever did. Monica's family established a reward fund in hopes that a cash reward would help compel someone to come forward with information. Investigators were getting nowhere. Despite eyewitness accounts, evidence at the scene, and an arrest connected to the crime, investigators still did not know what happened to Monica. They had spoken to witnesses and people in Monica's life, but they had found few answers. Even the evidence, including the fingernails found at the scene, yielded nothing. Over the next several weeks, Monica's family continued to hold vigils and knock on doors, but in spite of their best efforts, the mainstream media never did pick up Monica's story. In September 2007, Jasper Kills, who was already in jail on the car theft and drug possession charges, was charged with kidnapping in relation to Monica's abduction. Detectives at the time said that they were not sure if Jasper knew Monica, but they did not believe that this was a random crime. They just had not identified the connection. They would only say that they believed that the abduction was narcotic-related. At the time of the charges, police said that they believed that more arrests would follow and were asking the public for help in identifying additional suspects. The charges against Jasper were welcome news for Monica's family, and they thought at the time that they were getting closer to finding Monica. But Jasper's arrest didn't lead to anything, and no one else was ever charged. In fact, after Jasper was charged, there doesn't seem to be any information about what happened with the charges. I can only assume that they were dropped for some reason, because eventually... Jasper was let out of jail, and in 2018, he was arrested again and charged with the murder of a 61-year-old man while on a crime spree with one of his friends. After Jasper's 2007 arrest, Monica's story faded from the local news headlines. Her family did whatever they could to keep Monica's story out there. In 2010, someone started a Facebook page in order to renew attention to Monica's story, and several of the posts were dedicated to demanding the media give her story attention. In 2012, the TV One show Find Our Missing premiered and features Monica's story in one of their first episodes. At that point, it had been five years since Monica's abduction, and it was the first time that her story had been featured on a national platform. Sadly, it didn't help bring answers. And since then, there hasn't been any new information released about what happened to Monica or any progress in her case. It's not clear if police are even still investigating her abduction. It's now been 15 years since Monica was violently abducted from the parking lot of her apartment building, and there hasn't been any sign of her since. Monica's family has accepted that perhaps Monica met with foul play, but 
That has not stopped them from searching for her, even after 15 years. Monica had moved to Atlanta for opportunities, and she was doing well. A business owner who was looking forward to getting married. Monica was happy. Even with the legal trouble that she had found herself in before her disappearance, she was looking forward to her future with her fiancé. So why would someone kidnap her? Who had been watching her? Who knew where she lived and where she was going to be that night? The belief is that Monica's story and history as an exotic dancer and her recent drug possession arrest made the fact that she was kidnapped a less desirable story for the mainstream media. It's just hard to imagine how a story like this isn't worthy of that kind of attention. Monica's abduction remains a mystery. And although 15 long years have passed, someone out there has information about what happened. There were too many people involved in this to believe that there's no one out there who knows something. Bring this family closure. Tell them where Monica is and what happened to her and why. The status of the investigation is not known. But if you have any information that can lead to answers about what happened to Monica Bowie on July 5th, 2007, please contact the DeKalb County Police Department. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. It also helps our show grow. As always, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.